Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Julie Keel, and my co-host is Jeff Sire. Hello, everyone. All right, this week we're going to be talking about a classic uh, TV show, Star Trek, the original series, all sci-fi has to get around to Star Trek eventually. It's it's like written somewhere. <laughs> um, and the particular episode we're going to be talking about today is Space Seed, one from the first season of the original series, and an episode that, oh gosh, laid the foundation for many things to come in the Star Trek universe. Uh, but um, just a, a quick summary of it, you know, Kirk and his crew find a sleeper ship of genetically bred superhumans led by the ruthless 20th century dictator Khan Noonien Singh, who tries to take over the ship with the help of the 23rd century archaeologist who falls in love with him. Who is pathetic. Who is pathetic. Oh, God, I wanted to slap her. But that's not what we're going to talk about. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, man. There were, it, it, yeah, the, the uh, Shatner school of acting was rampant in this episode. But um, the tech got started quite early in this one. It basically, the, at the very first scene, is Uhura picking up Morse code. Um, CQ, CQ. Being a ham radio operator, that's quite familiar to me. <laughs> and actually, welcome to 2012, where being a ham operator is considered a little um, quaint. <laughs> and to have Uhura, and not only Uhura, but Kirk recognize Morse code um, and understand what CQ, CQ meant was... Um, you know, it was like one of those huh? type okay. of moments. What um, does CQ mean? <laughs> you know, it actually, I should have, I knew somebody was going to ask us, so I was going to look it up, but it's, it's a literal definition I don't know, and I think it's tied uh, more to the way the um, Morse code letters are configured. You know, like SOS is SOS. We always say it's save our ship, but one of the reasons SOS is the, the Mayday signal is because it's three dots, three dashes, three dots, you know. Oh, okay. Um, so I think CQ is like that too because it's quick and easy to 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 oh, key it's, in. It's just like the more like the pattern. Than yeah, the yeah, okay. it's a simple, easy pattern. Um, but it's interesting that you know, from a ham radio perspective too. Um, recently in the U.S., they actually relaxed the standard, the the requirement that you know Morse code before you get a ham radio license because the the Morse code requirement was essentially killing the, the hobby. People were, were not getting licenses and, and just kind of not interested in it because of Morse code. So, uh, But and, you, you don't actually use Morse code anymore when you're using a ham radio normally, do you? Well, see, that's just it. You don't have to. Um, no. <laughs> so there's there's two things that you know two two responses to that you know before it was eliminated as a requirement like I say people were just not getting their license because it was just too much of a bother because the only thing you had to learn it for was the test and like you said once you have your license you don't use it again anyway um, so they dropped it from the requirement and which has increased ham radio numbers pretty significantly but it is now considered to. Uh, to some extent, to be somewhere between, you know, old school, quaint, and elite, to be one of the Morse code operators. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is interesting. Um, so again, to see that pop up, you know, the first minute we uh, uh, tuned into this one, 
it was like, wow, <laughs> that's a notable. And, and again, to have not only Uhura recognize that, but also Kirk. I mean, ah, uh, I mean, like I say, it's kind of considered quaint in 2012. The idea of it being, you know, recognizable in 23rd yeah. century is. But but that's that's part of the whole Star Trek thing is that Kirk is the Superman. Right. There there's not going to be anything that Kirk is not going to. Uh, not recognize unless it's a plot device. Like he knows everything. He is he. There's nothing he can't do. Right. Like uh, they could come up with you know. Oh, we're on a plastic planet where they uh, specialize in basket weaving, and I'm sure he'd step right up and say, oh, <laughs> "I did basket weaving back when I was in Starfleet Academy." You should see the baskets I used to weave. Uh, so yeah, you know, stellar. And I think there's something to this uh, this ham radio signal thing or the Morse code thing too. Like we were talking last week. These technologies get replaced. They they have their heyday, and then they are replaced with something new, and they don't go away. Um, so that, you know, not only do you need to understand interstellar communications, but you still need to know Morse code. Uh, yeah. So, you know, like last week we were talking about education. Sure, you need to understand and deal with, you know, computer-based learning, but you still have books. Yeah. Um, but do you think that will ever go away? Like, uh, like uh, what's an example of something that, like smoke signals? Mm-hmm. I'm sure, like at one point, they were probably more complicated than we imagined. But uh, like, it's we've progressed beyond that form of communication. Whereas we're still using radio communication, but this is just a kind of a almost you know primitive form of it, right? Yeah. So, and in the future, if they're still using radio communication, yeah, maybe that will still be kind of on their radar, right? Well, and you always have to start at the beginning. Uh, you know, right. you, you, you use, like, you, this is kind of like the calculator argument. You really shouldn't be using a calculator until you understand math, but once you understand math, don't, you know, there's no need to do it by hand. Um, you know, right. start using the calculator. So you need to understand, you know, radio waves and Morse code. But once you got that down, let's move on. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, it, smoke signals is might, well, might be the actually, most difficult. A, a better example is uh, cars, right? Uh-huh. Now that everybody drives, like I don't know, like my daughter happens to uh, ride horses, but I myself don't know anything about basic horsemanship. Right. Like it's just not relevant anymore, right? Right. And if you had to hook up a, a Wagon yeah. or chariot. I know the saddle goes on the back of the horse with the <laughs> part where my butt would go facing away from the horse. Yeah, there you go. That's my knowledge of horseback riding. Yep. And, and this is true. I well, These sound like some arguments I've had with my mother. It started with the calculator and then it went to cooking. It's like, you know, um, I don't need to be able to start a fire with flint and steel in order to cook dinner. You know, it's the yeah. same pro- principle. Yep. Like, yeah. I, I'm cooking with heat. Um, but honestly, I can't start a fire with flint and steel if I have to. <laughs> yeah. So again, that skill doesn't go away. It becomes diminished. It it has it becomes a niche. It becomes a hobby. It becomes yeah. esoteric yeah. and and uh, um, eccentric almost. But it doesn't go away. So I think there's some some truth to that too, um, which kind of ties into the next tech that we ran across in this episode, which was. They made reference to the um, eugenics war, um, which you know, you know, eugenics is essentially breeding or, um, right. for um, better human beings. Basically, it's uh, 
I don't even want to bring that up. Anyway, <laughs> the too close to home there. But the um, this this um, show this um, episode is based on the idea that there was a eugenics war in the late nineteen late twentieth century on Earth. Um, and uh, the people, they, they run across this ship and they run across people on this ship who are uh, being held in what I'll call stasis for a couple hundred years using what I'll also called cryogenics. It wasn't exactly clear exactly the technology that was being used to to put them in some sort of stasis, but, you know, there was something there. The idea of, of well, the, the tech that was evidenced was they had decreased virtually no respiration, decreased heartbeats, um, and, you know, virtually no other vital signs either, either originally. Yeah. So Yeah, they, they just didn't elaborate on the, the mechanism for what was causing that or no. what was holding them in that condition. And it didn't, you know, cryo, cryogenics re, um, kind of uh, refers to freezing, basically. And right. that didn't really look like they were frozen. I mean, it wasn't like it warmed up in there. There were ice chunks, you know, like yeah. Kirk smashed open the glass on the one <laughs> thing. Funny, yeah. funny. Um, and it wasn't like he was getting his tongue stuck to the flagpole, you know, when he put his hand yeah. in that type of stuff. So I, we basically have no clue what the technology was that kept these folks in stasis. All right. And, okay. There was just some technology plot device. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just going to say we'll just call it the plot device tech. Yeah. Um, the next piece of technology that I, you know, there's just the set, the set of Star Trek, you know, is nothing but wall-to-wall -wall technology, to be honest. But one of them that just killed me was, um, I think it was in Sick Bay. Basically, uh, uh, Dr. McCoy had to kind of leave the room to go punch a button on the wall to talk into the intercom. Which is so funny, even within the Star Trek world, and even with within the original series world of, um, you know, they do have communicators, and the idea that you have to go to a wall and punch a button, it was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So it, it does seem like um, some technology, you know, and some of this is just TV stuff, um, but some technologies and some, it, it, I guess this was kind of like the um, cell phones on a plane thing to me. C could we have cell phones on a plane? Probably. Do we want cell phones on a plane? I'm not so sure. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, do we want to be able to have people, you know, be able to communicate with us at their convenience and not ours? I mean, to me, that, that's kind of the difference between the, uh, uh, you know, the communicators versus, you know, the punch the button on the wall intercom. Uh, right. I, I can step away from my duties in sick bay to talk to you. So you don't have to listen to, I don't know what's going on in sick bay. You could have everything from babies being born to, you know, aliens popping out of people's chests. Yeah. So um, the the choice there, and I, for all, you know, we always, matter of fact, this episode is one that um, I know there's been some discussion because it lays so many foundations for future Star Trek stories. Yeah. Um, but apparently when they put this episode together, they had no clue what they were, were doing, you know, that 
that so many bits and pieces of this would be used again in future um, stories. Um, And the same thing with intercoms. They put an intercom on the wall because they needed something for people to be able to talk to other people. And and, um, there was nothing... No more thought put into it than that. They they yeah. weren't having these discussions like we are now about, gee, should we put it on the wall? Should we put it on their chest? Should we just yeah. have it be, you know, ambient noise in the room? You know, the room decides when it's appropriate or not. You know, so yeah. you know they just they just did it. But and it's and it's also it's a first season episode, so mm-hmm. they're probably we're still getting their kind of their bearings as to how things were going to be laid out and what the the kind of tech was the. And, oh, they and were the, figuring that out for themselves. So. No kidding. And the first season props were tacky. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, matter of fact, the most of the original series is pretty bad. But that's what makes it fun, too. Yeah. Um, what One of the things that was really glaringly funny <laughs> was uh, when Khan was being revived in sickbay, you know, the first thing he asked for is, I'd like to review your technical you know, yeah. details of the show. I'm like, okay, for starters, there's your first clue. But basically, you know, uh, Kirk pulls over what is found in every hospital room I've ever been in is the old TV on an arm yeah. that swings over to the bed, and, you know, and, and um, it's a viewing screen that ties into the ship's library tapes. I'm like, okay, it's hooked to the internet, you know. Now, just as an aside to the, the kind of social aspect, did you find it weird <laughs> that uh, Kirk critiques, I can't remember what her name is, but the, the yeoman that's away that falls in love with Khan. Yeah, MacGyver, right? He critiques her performance on the away team, like, uh, you know, and he says, you know, every, everything can hang in the balance on the performance of one person. And then he turns around and gives the entire schematic information for the entire ship to, to somebody that he just met. Right. And, 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 never, already ne- exhibiting... and never comes back and says, boy, that was a mistake, you know. Uh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and that whole business of, you know... If you've ever been a supervisor, what she did on the away team was nothing really wow. worth critiquing. She had a momentary lapse of attention. Okay, yeah. whatever, you know. When um, you see stuff like that, sometimes I wonder, like, maybe there was something that they cut out. Yeah, <laughs> they were it's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like she, like, went and um, threw herself, you know, on top of him or crawled into the capsule yeah. area, you know. It's like... Okay, she she hesitated for a moment because she was kind of overwhelmed with what they discovered. I've seen you do that, Kirk. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that was kind of weird. <laughs> when you become mesmerized staring at green dancing women, right? There you go. That's uh, that was just another piece of that whole, you know. Uh, uh, I'm just I'm not gonna go there because yeah. <laughs> I could go rant big time, but. Speaking of rants, um, this is kind of tied into that same theme. One thing, Khan has to comment about MacGyver's hair. You know, why yeah. do you wear your hair like that? And the comment is, um, she she responds, because it's comfortable. And he responds, but it's not flattering. It's like, oh, for, or it's not attractive. It's like, oh, yeah, like that's the criteria we need to use. Anyway, okay, I'll rant <laughs> off. But um, but one thing I found interesting or, or kind of noted slightly hair doodads whatever you want to call them you know uh, rubber bands and bobby pins and clips and whatever they don't seem to change for a couple hundred years no (laughs) 
And there might be some truth to that because, you know, to be honest, a lot of them haven't changed for a couple of thousand years. Yeah, like I, I went to uh, a thing they had in Toronto. The uh, They had the touring show for uh, the King Tut exhibit. And some of those things, like when you look combs and you know, really, you can't really improve on that. Nope. It's just you know, you know, it's made with different materials, but they're pretty much exactly the same as they they were, you know, like four thousand years ago. Yep, some of that stuff, and that, I think that's one thing that um, some sci-fi does a pretty good job of. And I think the best sci-fi strikes a good balance between. There are some things that will change, and there are other things that never will change. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, the striking the balance between what stays and what goes and, and how much it changes and how quickly, that's hard to do. I'm, you know, I'm always in awe of these people who can, can yeah. um, you know, make, make those decisions and decide. That, that is kind of a running theme, though, uh, like... You know, like they've predict, been predicting. When we look forward, we we predict that things will be more complex, and like we've been predicting flying cars for sixty years, right? Right. And we still don't have flying cars. Yeah, maybe. And uh, but a lot of times, like you look like essentially the car technology, it, while it has advanced a whole lot. It's from the driver's perspective. It's probably not any more complicated. It's probably simpler. Like you know, you don't have to pump brakes anymore. You have ABS brakes. You just slam your foot to the floor and the car stops. Like it, it just, in in some ways, things get simpler. While we're at the same time, we're predicting, oh, they're going to be more and more complex. It, well, it gets more. I'm going to hesitate yeah. to use the word here, but magical. Yeah. You, you jump in, you push the button, and it just yeah. works. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. It's it's interesting too, you know, because the basic concept of a car, four wheels and a steering wheel, to, you know, make it go the way you want it to. Basically, hasn't changed since day one, you know. I guess, matter of fact, even the four wheels, um, gosh, that's been around for I don't know, ten thousand years. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, so long uh, time. Yeah, so it's there are there are some things. I think that, you know, really can't, they're, they're just core technologies, the wheel, okay? You know, there's a core technology that really isn't going to be improved upon. Yeah. Um, we can we can adapt it and we can use it in new and different ways, but a wheel's a wheel. Right. So, um, one other thing I noted in here, um, at the very end, there there's a reference made to I think Khan asks Kurt Kurt um, have you read Milton you know and there's there's no um, they have to they're, the scene is basically they're finishing up this uh, trial should we call it um, yeah. and and uh, sentencing Khan to his exile on SETI Alpha 5 and um and Khan's comeback is, you know, have you read Milton? And Kirk says, yes, of course. And he says, I think I will take, you know, my exile, blah, blah, blah. And um, later, it's a later scene, and I can't remember who asked the question. I don't think it's Spock. I think it's uh, Scotty, perhaps. 
It is Scotty. Oh, it is Scotty. Yeah, because yeah. he's going. He was embarrassed because he's a Scot and he hadn't read Milton. Um, but it was in reference to I think it's Paradise Lost where it says it's better to rule in hell than serve in heaven or something like that. Right. But to me, the, the technology. There's not a lot of technology there except this whole business again of some things just never. Right. Die, you know they're they're classic enough that they uh, they continue on, and even when a couple times when they were talking through the th- through history, you know, two hundred years in the future, it's always uh, like the historian. She had pictures of um, Alexander and Napoleon, and then there were these other people in the future that we don't know of that were right. also these men of history. Um, you know, and so the idea that there are, uh, for lack of a better term, I just coined men of history. Um, you know, that that idea that somebody rises uh, and is notable throughout time um, doesn't change either. So you, you found yeah. some failed predictions. Yeah, there was, because this is one of those episodes where they're, uh, you know the the episode comes out in the '60s, but they're making their own predictions about what is now to us our past. Uh, so the whole eugenics war took place in the early 1990s, I believe they were talking about. Because I think Khan, they, I think they said that he left Earth in 1992. Yeah, I think so. so. In, in as of their prediction was that as of 1992, we would have uh, World War Three. Yeah, we would have World War III, and we would also have a eugenics war, and we would have, uh, you know, starships that were capable of perhaps not interstellar travel, yeah, but nucle- certainly interplanetary travel. Wasn't it nuclear power? They called it atomic power. Atomic so power. So I was, I would assume that's the same. That's another one of the. We'll just use a tech word and not, ex- you know, well, you explain know, it at in, all. So back in the '60s, I suppose atomic. Was more future than nuclear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that yeah, that was very much a uh, kind of a spacey word, I think. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Atomic power. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Get that in a quartz watch these days, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> you certainly get in a lot more things than uh, than they would have predicted back then. I think. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, it's uh, the. Um, it's always interesting to see what has um, come to pass and where they missed. You know, where, yeah. where we thought flying cars is the classic example. You know, we right. have so many things that were predicted in the in Star Trek, for instance. We have you know communicators and we have uh, sick bay devices with flashing lights and you know the arms with you know. A viewing screen that ties into the ship's library tapes, all that kind of stuff. That's yeah. that's like whatever. But you know, interstellar travel and cryogenics and putting people in, in eugenics. Um, like yeah. you see, even, well, not even today. You see all the time. They're like predictions and you know where we're going, and really, how rarely does that line up? You know, like you get general and and for the most part, like things like there's very few breakthrough technologies. Like there's very few inventions of the car. Right. You know, like in the past hundred years, we've had, you know, the invention of the airplane. That was a huge thing. You mentioned of the car. Right. But for the most part, like, like I work in a, a nuclear power plant 
And all the time, like, you know, when I go down to Nerdtacular and people ask where I work when I say it, they're like, oh, that's high tech. I'm like, man, you don't understand. Like, a nuclear power plant has a lot more in common with a steam locomotive than it does with anything on Star Trek. Yep. Like, it's, you know, the, the, Yes, yes there's, a, there's a nuclear reaction, yeah. and that's just providing the heat to boil water. Yeah. <laughs> that's all it's doing. So, yeah. and, and, it's, and, and things in a, in, a, in a very real way are a lot less high-tech than a lot of people think. Like the, a lot of our systems and the, just the way the world runs is a lot less high-tech than people think. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, crawl into a military jet sometime and, you know, as yeah. high-tech as they are, yeah. you're like, oh, you know, I've got a better computer on my yeah. podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, so. Well, like like the, the plant that I, the nuclear plant that I used to work at, it was uh, the first reactor went online in 1972. Mm-hmm. And uh, in order to upgrade anything, it's a, it's a huge, huge, because that's a design pro, uh, change. So as a result, they never want to upgrade anything. So the computers that they originally built to run the plant, like they don't make those anymore. So they have new computers that run uh, emulators to pretend that they're a 1972 computer. And we still have, you know, the whole Star Trek flashing lights? Yep. Like they would have banks of little lights and they're flashing, showing what computer programs are running at those times. Yeah. Quaint. <laughs> Very quaint. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the high tech nuclear plant, you know. Well, and there's truth to that. I actually just got done reading a history book rather than a sci fi book on London that was very strange um it it went all the way back from you know ancient times from um the romans or even before on up through 1997 i believe was the end of it uh not quite the turn of the century and uh, what it did it wasn't what i wanted and it wasn't what i expected of a history of london it basically followed a couple of families through the years and it would it would pop in every hundred years, you know, every generation or two and right. say, you know, this is how, it, it wouldn't say it, it would tell the story. It was written as fiction. This is, you know, this son was grown, was, you know, found on the uh, local doorstep and, and because of the famine that was going on. And, and so you, you really got a, a picture of the families and the people and what it was like to live there. And you you got glimpses of the big world around you, like, you know, the fact that, America had been discovered or there was a war going on or, you know, the Pope was doing stuff and whatever. I mean, that that impacted these people's lives. But that wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, you know, and in 1772, they were having a, you know, those that type of history. But one of the things I took away from that was how things changed over time, even over the course of, you know, roughly 2,000 years that this book was covered. There are still places in London um, and people in London and thing, the way things are done in London that are tied back to 2,000 years ago. 
you know, and even though London burned down, you know, a couple yeah. times, <laughs> you know, they basically got to start from scratch. Some of the main squares are still where the main squares were, you know, 2,000 years ago, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, so as much as we talk about the future being all fresh and clean, and a lot of sci-fi kind of paints it that way, you know, um, you know, everything's going to be steel and glass and concrete and, and you know, nice straight lines and, and whatever, um, you can't just wipe out what exists currently even things like uh, the automated home has to be probably retrofitted into existing housing you know so it's not like the houses are all going to get torn down so we can run cat five cables through them Um, (laughs) although i'd like that right but well i like i as an example for that i know in canada um for uh internet systems one of the best places in Canada is uh, Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. And the reason why Newfoundland is so good is because their infrastructure was so terrible that when they finally uh, got into oil production and started, then the province started to do much better and started to get money, they skipped over the crappy stuff that we have. And they have a better fiber optic ca- uh, system in Newfoundland than I think anywhere else in Canada. You just described North Dakota as well for almost the same reasons. Right. Yep, they laid a bunch of fiber optic uh, a decade or so ago because there was nothing out here and they knew they they were desperately going to need it. And and honestly, some of the uh, middle of nowhere places have better uh, connections than some of the cities. Right. So, yeah. So, and that's what, you know, actually that's what's happening with Africa too. They kind of missed the copper wire landline phones. They just went straight to cell phones and, oh, well. All right. Well, I think we should kind of wrap up discussion of Space Seed. There's a lot of tech in here, and there's just flat out a lot of tech in any Star Trek show that we could pick up. Um, so we'll probably come back to Star Trek at some point. Um, I can guarantee that. Uh, but next week, we're going to ta- do something completely different. We're going to tackle a movie. And not just any movie. We're going to tackle a silent movie from 1927 called Metropolis. It's a bit of a steampunky type thing and uh, talks about, uh, let's see, populace is divided between workers who have to live underground and the wealthy. Um, so kind of some old themes going on there as well. So next week, um, we'll see what turns up in there as far as uh, technologies that were envisioned as futuristic back in 1927. Anything else that we need to talk about there, Jeff? I don't think so. Okay, then that's going to wrap up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can check us out at scifitechtalk.com or follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. And if you have ideas or comments, please send them to scifitechtalk at gmail.com. And between now and the next episode, Jeff, where can folks find you out in cyberspace? They can find me on Twitter or my occasional posts at broncosire at uh, Twitter. And I can be found on Twitter as well at Bonnyface, B-O-N-N-Y-F-A-C-E. And links to my other blogs, podcasts, and whatever else I'm up to can be found at about.me slash Bonnyface. And that's going to do it for this show, and I guess we'll see you in the future. Bye, everybody.